Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. Hi guys, welcome back. It has been what feels like a very, very long time. I have taken a little hiatus as school started, so I'm very excited to be back. And with me today, I have Quinn, who lost her dad in 2018, just over a year ago, um, to pancreatic cancer. And she is here to share her story with you and me and a little bit of her perspective. So Quinn, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you just take it away. So my dad passed away last July in Mm -hmm. 2018, um, like you said, of pancreatic cancer, and he was actually misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, So in January of 2018, I was um, doing a year of travel Mm -hmm. um, in Europe and Asia, and in January he called me in while I was in Italy, um, and he said... I have cancer. Um, It's the best kind of cancer that you can possibly have. I have between 5 and 15 years. So I will never get rid of my cancer, Mm -hmm. but um, they're doing light chemo and I will live for several years. So clearly that's shocking to hear. Yeah, yeah. But so nice to know that we have several years to take advantage of Right. Appreciating each other and being yeah. be, having quality family time. Um, so in April, so I stayed, I stayed in Europe. Yeah. Um, and then in April, I decided to come home. Things were progressing and yeah. he was doing chemo. Um, they didn't even do radiation. Like it was mm-hmm. very low dose chemo, just not aggressive at all. Mm. Um, And so in April, I just decided to come home. Um, And I think it was, I came home in middle of April and he, in late April, we found out that he was misdiagnosed um, and he was diagnosed with neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer, which is a very rare type of Mm -hmm. cancer, um, which you have to go to a specialist for. Mm -hmm. Um, So he started going to a specialist and, uh, we were looking into all of these, you know, trials and at UCLA, European trials, all these things mm-hmm. for, for neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer. Um, they didn't even know if it was stomach cancer at first or mm-hmm. liver or whatever. I mean, it was several months that they didn't know where it came from. Come to find out it was pancreatic cancer, which is almost 100% lethal. Yeah. Um, so in April, that was end of April. And then he passed away in July. Wow. Yeah. He also, we were all there with him the day that it was in July, that it was the doctor's appointment where he got to decide if he wants to continue chemo or not. So we got the results back. Um, my whole family was there and he, um, they told him that it was, stable his cancer was stable 
and it had already metastasized to his lymph nodes and everything. Like it was all over his body, mm-hmm. but it was stable. What does stable mean? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? Um, but that means that his tumors, one tumor grew like a quarter of an inch, another tumor shrunk a quarter of an mm-hmm. inch, but it was like more or less stable. Yeah. Um, so he just decided like, I'm not willing to go through this. Right. He was in writhing pain all the time. His He couldn't go to work. He couldn't see anybody. He couldn't do anything. He was just laying, literally laying fetal on the floor oh every day. Just writhing in pain. Yeah. So he decided to discontinue the chemo. Wow. Five days later, he died. Wow. Yeah. And he was at, in home hospice. So my brother and I, um, who's five years older than me, took care of him for those five days. We like had to administer drugs to him. And I mean, I just, it was really, yeah. Rough. How, how did you react when he said he doesn't want to continue treatment? Was there a piece of you that was like, no, you're going to keep fighting. Like, I want you to keep doing this. At the time it was so apparent that it was just no quality of life. Yeah. Mm. It was just, Horrible. And it was worrisome for everyone. Yeah. I mean, you and I worked together yeah. at, at um, Lululemon and we, I mean, I, I was like every day I was, mm. do I have to go to Arizona? Do I have to, where do I? Yeah. What, what okay. I'm here for a week. Okay. Yeah. Now I have to leave for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you get a phone call, you don't know yeah. if something happens. Right. Um, is he in the hospital? I had to take an emergency flight on 4th of July. Mm because we didn't know what was happening at the hospital. Right. Um, so it's just super worrisome for everyone involved. Yeah. However, throughout this last year, I've definitely gone through phases where I've been angry and frustrated that he didn't choose to keep fighting because mm. it felt like it was just quitting. Yeah. Even though there was no chance of him not having tumors. Right. Right, but then you hear these like miracle stories, and yes, you're just like that could have been you. Yeah, I assume that is a total projection. No, no, no. I don't know. No, absolutely. But I'm just... Yes, absolutely. My brother is also a paramedic, oh. so he, and he's been in the medical field for a long time, and and he would say to my dad, "What's your end? Like, what's your threshold? Where do you decide to quit?" <laughs> and so wow. he just had like a very he has a very objective view of yeah. death and like sickness. <laughs> oh and so he would just say to my dad and, and my other brother and I, so, you know, what's, what's the threshold? Where do you decide? Like how much pain are you willing to tolerate? And my dad would just look at him like he had three heads. Yeah. But I don't understand what that even yeah. means. I, <laughs> I like admire people who feel that way though, because like, yeah, everybody does die. Like it's, mm-hmm. It's, it's as natural as being born. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why, why are we so weird about talking about it? But then at the same time, I'm like, because I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm never going to see you again. (laughs) Like there is emotion here. Yes, this is medical. Yes, this is the circle of life. But also like, I I love you. Like I, (laughs) I, like I don't understand. Yes, totally. And that's a great point. I mean, I think that has been one of the, most yeah. horrible, overwhelming yeah. pieces of grief is 
the forever. I was taught from my whole life. My mom always told me nothing is, nothing is permanent. You can always change your circumstances. If you're unhappy with something, you can always choose something else. You're never tied to Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. So I've grown up with that mindset. Mm -hmm. And so experiencing death and I've experienced death on a close proximity a number of times, Mm -hmm. never an immediate family member like this. So the overwhelming thought of never again. Yeah. That's so interesting. So that was very much my mentality too, was that like things are in my control. Nothing Mm -hmm. is, nothing is forever. Mm -hmm. So like, if you don't like something, change it. Like you have the power. And then when my dad died, I feel like that was the first time that I was really faced, really, really faced with like, you don't have control over anything in your life. Mm So on the one hand, I vividly remember, like, I I was like, I dropped the phone when my sister called and told me, and I just instinctually, like, it was the most natural thing that has ever come out of my mouth. I couldn't stop saying, I'm defeated. I'm defeated. I'm defeated. Mm. This is it. Like, I, I can't believe I lost. That's so interesting. Was like my mentality. And on the other hand, it, I was like, oddly at peace with everything because mm-hmm. I was like, well, nothing is in my control. So now I don't have to worry about anything anymore mm-hmm. because screw it. Like totally. But it's just, I always thought that everything was planned, that yeah. everything, I was so firm in my, I wasn't necessarily religious, but yeah. spirituality yeah, I like yeah. was very firm and since I was tiny little. Yeah. Um, and since he's passed, I've just resigned to like my mentality has completely changed mm-hmm. and I feel like it's all just random because it yeah. has to be with it death. has to be right. Like, there's no reason for good people. I know to leave us otherwise. I know. So it's, it's really interesting how one, w- one thing that has happened has completely changed. Right. Everything else outlook. in your life leading yes. up to this has been like, has, you know, been your building blocks of how you approach the world. And it's that one thing that totally derails it and changes the way you like approach situations or everything, how you process, how you, yeah, exactly. How, how has it been with you and your brother grieving? Because I take it, well, also an assumption, but like, are your grieving styles very different? He sounds very pragmatic and logical. Yes. So I have two brothers. Oh, that's okay. My one that's brother okay. is is Tyler. He's uh, five years older than me. He's okay. the one that I was, we were partners in crime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, when we were taking care of our dad. Uh, my oldest brother, Parker, is the paramedic. Um, oh, okay. So he was the one that was is very logical and is just very objective with this situation. Um, Which ended up being great because Parker wasn't able to be with us during my dad's last week. Mm. Um, He was actually doing his firefighter like test, physical test that same week. Wow. Um, So Tyler and I, who aren't medical professionals, had to take care of our dad. Interesting. And we, I think you know, especially in this regard, there is, there there was so much doubt for both of us that we would ever be able to take care of a loved one in that situation. Parker, 
my oldest brother yeah. would naturally be the one to take care of right. somebody in this condition because he's a medical professional. Since he couldn't, I mean, it was, you know, fate that we yeah. had to do that and we were able to bond on that. Yeah. Um, because of that, we got a lot closer yeah. Because of the, you know, circumstances that we were in for five days. Um, and that has caused a lot of complication. It's caused a lot of chaos, I think, for us and for the rest of our family members. I have two younger stepsisters mm-hmm. and then my stepmom um, and then my two older brothers. So we have a fairly big family. Mm-hmm. And just navigating... Everyone. Yeah. It's just complicated. Yeah. Hard and... Navigating families is hard as is. And like, yes, you all lost the same person, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you're going to grieve in the same way Mm -hmm. and that you're processing the loss in the same way. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Well, also, yes, yes, that. I am one to confront any feelings yeah. head on. Yeah. I just went to, started going to therapy immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my brother Tyler decided that he doesn't, he doesn't believe in therapy. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's a new thought or if he's always thought that, but um, that has caused a lot of uh, distress in our in our Mm. relationship too, because I am learning so many things and I want to share all the things that I'm learning not to hold myself to a higher standard because I am going to therapy. Right. That's not at all where it comes from, but I'm learning to cope with our dad's death. Yeah. And he is just not, not confronting it at all. So learning how to Like, how do you be there for your family members Mm -hmm. without telling them things that you... How to do it. How to do it. Right. It's really interesting. My therapist, actually, I talked to her about this, and she said, why do you have to navigate your family members? Like, can you just... I'm a yogi. Yeah. So she said, can you just use mindfulness and just, like, acknowledge that that is what's happening in that moment? And just, like, detach from yeah. that. And what did you say? Oh, my God. I'm so... I'm, like, so intrigued. That is, like, the best idea. <laughs> just, like, okay. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but that's so much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because, on the one hand, I very much agree with your therapist. On the other... And I know that your therapist would agree with this as well, and she doesn't think it's so black and white, but, like... Because it's your family and you care about them. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to detach from someone that you care about. Yes. So. For sure. That takes a lot of mindfulness. Definitely. In itself. And I think that's that's part of it, right? Is to, to acknowledge that you have connection to this person. Yeah. And you want them to be the best self that they can be. Right. And that it's okay that they are in the space that they're in but you're right it's so hard to continue to do that right over and over and over again exactly (laughs) 
Um, I want to circle back. You talked about spirituality and mm-hmm. not necessarily religion, but I guess mm-hmm. religion, however that looks, that was shaken a little bit. It's like everything that you've believed leading up to this point in your life has been questioned. And I wonder, I don't know how to like, I have, I have these thoughts a lot too, because I'm not particularly observant or religious, but I do identify strongly with Judaism and some of the practices Mm -hmm. in Judaism. And I, I always felt like if I, if I were to experience a horrible traumatic event that it would totally change how I approached life and I would be like positive and I would have that living life. I'm going to live life to the fullest mentality, which I did not have before. And I certainly don't have now, but, (laughs) but I was, I wasn't cynical, but I was very, very realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I really just thought like, if I ever went through something so horrible, maybe that would like be good for me because then I would just have this positive attitude and it's like worse Mm. than it was before because now I just, I have like no faith or trust (laughs) in the world. So tell me how you feel about that. Especially in this time of the world. Correct. It's It's really just what is the point of it all. So (laughs) Um, (laughs) tell me. Yes. So (laughs) yeah, I, I have... I've experienced, I've also been just really interested in world religion. Yeah. So I studied world religion in oh, college. Cool. Um, I have, I have practiced Judaism. I've practiced Christianity um, with family members and whatnot. Um, Buddhism from yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mormonism I've been around because my brothers were in that religion. Oh. So I just, have, I think I have a different perspective on religion. I just really enjoy learning about, yeah. about, uh, different belief systems. Yeah. Um, It all has gone to pieces. Yeah. It's all just blown. Yeah. I I just have no, it's, it's really hard to identify, I think with any religion at all for me. So I just say that I'm spiritual. Yeah. And that even my spirituality has even, yeah been blown to pieces Mm -hmm. um I would love to think that he's there watching over me um I do feel like he's visited me Mm -hmm. at some points oh yeah I've had um right it's like so intensely like that happened yes real yes um but to I don't know I don't know and I've always been so sure yeah that there is there is a heaven and yeah. or whatever whatever yeah. a, an afterlife right to some extent mm-hmm. um but i just don't know and i don't know why that is i was actually just talking to my grandma about this she's very catholic mm-hmm. and she said do you not believe are you mad at god and i is this your dad's mom my dad's mom yeah is she mad at god she is totally mad oh, at god oh okay okay oh okay. yeah 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 i'm like definitely okay 100%. I feel like that's a <laughs> rational response to losing your son. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, that question, you know, I, I don't know if there is a God, so what? Right. I don't know how yes, to answer that question. I, I'm just, right, I don't know how just to answer mad. that. I'm just mad. Yeah. At everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's about right. And is he there? I don't know. 
I hope he is. Yeah. What is it like? What is it like to navigate that with? It sounds like you have a lot of different religious backgrounds mm-hmm. in your family. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yes. Okay. So like how? Because I feel like a lot of, I think a lot of religions have very, um, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like formulated, but that doesn't sound like the right word. But it, when it comes to death, like there are steps. Ideals, yeah. Like, sure. And so how is that navigating? Everyone has their different yeah. opinion. Yeah. Everyone thinks different things. And when we all try to connect on it, we're all not speaking the same (laughs) language. Is that hard? (laughs) Which makes it really hard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, most of my family now has gone, has left their hard belief systems of Mm. being dedicated to their religion and has now, you know, created their own. Because of the loss of your dad? No. Or before? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just over time have kind of shifted shifted mm-hmm. um but still you know that forms whether you identify right now with your religion or not it f- helps form your thoughts right or ideals on what happens yeah in the afterlife if there is an afterlife mm-hmm. um and so it's interesting to yeah talk to my family members about where, where is he right now? Yeah. Is he looking down on us? Do you get different answers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. My grandma, like, wholeheartedly believes that he is there. Which, again, like, you don't want to tell someone... Well, of course, you never want to tell someone what to believe. Right. With religion in general. Right. It's, Everyone's yeah. their You're own... you lose that. Yeah. Power, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, with grief, too, right? We just said, like, yeah. you can't tell someone how to grieve and right I think with religion if that's if that's how you cope with your totally grief then so be it who cares if it's real or not or right or wrong yeah it helps you <laughs> great when I do it yeah <laughs> So yeah, another aspect of my giant family is <laughs> the new addition to my family. Sort of is uh, my my boyfriend, who I've been along been with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, his parents just moved here, and I love them dearly. I yeah. love it, all of his family. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't care necessarily. That I don't want to say he doesn't care. He loves his family. Yeah. And he's happy that they're they have newly moved to Colorado from right. California. Um, but he doesn't need to be near his family. Mm-hmm. Um, they also lost his, his, my boyfriend's aunt to cancer mm-hmm. not too long ago too. Oh, so wow. they're dealing with their grief. Too. So that whole dynamic too. Yeah. Um, so they just moved here and I, I was happy as I am to, to be with them. Yeah. I see them, we see them once a week. Yeah. We can go over to dinner now yeah. and yeah. it's just lovely. Um, but I also feel sad and jealous yep. that oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets to have his family here and he doesn't really even care. Yeah. yeah. 
I wish that I could have my entire family here. Right. I love my family dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wish that I, my dad could live. Right. Right. It, at all. Um, so yeah. every time I leave them, I feel so sad. Um, yeah. And happy that they're here. Right. And so sad. But that's, I mean, that's the exact definition of bittersweet. Totally. Like it's, at like life events going forward are just bittersweet. There's mm-hmm. always, and that was something I, it is something I feel so guilty about with my husband, whose parents also just moved here. And I'm thrilled they get mm-hmm. to spend so much time with our daughter. I mean, like, what a gift. Like, I didn't have grandparents around really. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, there's this piece of just anger and jealousy and, mm-hmm. and, life events are kind of marred now. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so guilty and horrible that I felt sad on days that are supposed to be happy. Yes. Like on my daughter's first birthday it was just rough. Totally. You know, like yeah. even Father's Day where now I'm celebrating my husband who's become the most amazing father mm-hmm. that like, I don't know. And the anticipation of it too, yes. of those days. Yes. It, it's so anxiety ridden mm-hmm. and I found that the, the holidays that I'm expecting to come up. So like Valentine's day for me is one that I just, it has been, yeah, this year it was really, really tough. Why? Uh, it was our special holiday. Me too. My dad always used to send me gifts yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 So like my dad sent me like a five pound heart chocolate yeah. to school one year. Yeah. Um, yeah. would always try to embarrass me. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I mean, everybody knows my whole family, I'm the, well, aside from my two younger stepsisters, I'm the youngest of the three. Right. My brothers and I, and I'm the only girl. Yeah. Um, My dad's only daughter. So I think my grief, everybody is kind of watching me and, Mm. and the things that I'm going through is affecting other people. For instance, when I, when he was passing, Everybody, my whole family, they were all talking about my wedding. And it was not in the cards at the time. Yeah. That was not something that Michael and I were talking about at the time. But for whatever reason, everybody just kept saying, who's going to walk you down the aisle? What's going to happen at your wedding? Oh, my God. And that was actually the last thing that my dad, my the last serious conversation that my dad and I had. He said, I was supposed to be the one to walk you down the aisle. Who's going to do that for you? And I've told my brothers that, and they just... I've never seen my brothers cry, aside from when he passed. Yeah. And when I told them that he said that, for some reason, it's just been a really sore subject. So now that I'm... Michael and I have started talking about weddings and... Future. Future and and what that looks like um, in the next year or so. It's just really become a hard hmm. thought. And as, as happy as that is, right? You, right? you were just saying, as happy as that is, it's so sad that he can't be a part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. And then ugh, people always say, like, you'll find ways to honor him at, at your wedding or in this way or mm-hmm. that way. In other, in other ways, 
And I'm just like, I don't, it's not about honoring him. It's about him being there. Yes. Like, yes, I will honor him. And like, we're not going to ignore the fact that my dad isn't at my wedding. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Honoring him doesn't like make me feel better. He doesn't get to be there. Right. Yeah. So no amount of honoring is no. going <laughs> to help that. It's, it's yeah. I wonder why your brothers had such a, like a peripheral reaction to that. Yeah, I have no idea. Wow. It's really interesting. Maybe some of it has to do with protection. Them feeling like they need to protect you. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Probably. They're five and seven years older than me. And Mm. so, yeah, I think to some element. And they're they're the the men of the family. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, they feel like they need to uphold a certain stoicism. Yes. Um, which we've talked about that. I've talked about that with them. Yeah. And that's just a really horrible, uh, standard. I, I feel like for them to have to uphold for themselves. Yeah. Um, that's like a problem that we have with men in this country. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. A very different for them. What? It's just unfair for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm again, a very different scenario because it was, not my husband's dad that we lost, but it was, he felt he needed to have that stoic, strong, not necessarily, I guess stoic. Cause he didn't want to like cry or be upset in front of me because mm-hmm. he was like, I have to be strong. Like I'm going to keep everything together. And there, and I, I remember saying to him, like, I want you to be sad. I need someone to be sad with. Yeah. Like grieve with me. Don't make, mm-hmm. don't make me feel weird mm-hmm. <laughs> by, by being the only one that's sad right now. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And it took forever for him to get that in his head. Even still, that's it's... so interesting. Yeah. So I really just think that's like a men's problem. It's so it's so hard to, <laughs> yeah. to try to juggle that. Right. Okay, so are you sad right... You have right. to be sad right now. Right. But you're not showing... Like, right. can, do I force that out of you? Yeah. How do I be there for you yeah. the way that you need me to be there for right. you? <laughs> and you can't ask that question because you yes. have no idea how to respond to that. Right. Who, who knows? Not and right. also when you're grieving, I think your world just turns completely upside down. Right. And you don't know which way is up. And right. so... And I've talked what? about that before that I hate that question about like, how can I be there for you? And I was like, if I knew what would help, I'd be doing it right now. <laughs> right. Thank you for asking, but also... Shut up. <laughs> like, so not helpful. I can't. I can't. Um, but I know, I know that it's coming from a place of love and care, yes. obviously. But it's just like, that is such an exhausting question. It's such an exhausting question. I think, too, the, the thought process, well, the, what people have to say, feel like they have to say. Yes. Is yes. I feel like I'm therapying other people. Oh. Because I have uh, to. Allow them to say what they need to say. Right. And it's no longer about you. It's okay. I'm like, yep. Thank you so much. I, this is not helpful at all for me, but I'm just (laughs) listening. Say, say what you need to say. This is like such a theme. (laughs) Say what you need to say. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so backwards. It's so backwards, but it's also, (laughs) I, I found when I was still living in Baltimore in the like immediate weeks, months after I lost my dad, that I was 
busying myself with making sure that everyone like um they needed like the the hopeful message at the mm-hmm. end of our conversation yes so we would have a conversation they'd be like how's your how are you doing I'm like oh like you know I'm not it's kind of been a rough day slash week since he died but and so then they're like is your mom doing okay I'm like no she's not doing well and they're just like, but each day is getting a little better. I'm like, what are you not getting? Like, why are <laughs> you still bad? <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> but I was, but I, I found I was like, so often was like trying to make them feel better and, and like reassure them like, oh no, no, no. Like I'll be okay. Don't you worry. It's okay. And then it reached I'll be a, fine. Yeah. And then it reached a point where. I don't even know what switched. I don't think it was a therapist that told me to do this, but it just switched. And they were just like, is every day getting a little better? And I was like, not at all. And I just walked away and they were like, oh, I'm like, yeah, sucks. Doesn't it? Like, I just, it's crazy to me. It's insane. It's really crazy. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's hard for anyone to, to go through that. And like, you know, it's it's brave to be able to say anything, I think, because no one knows what's to say. Right. And it's awkward all the time. Yeah. And, and, and I, nothing you can say is good. Right, so. exactly. And I guess to be fair, something that I, I realized that I certainly do is like project my, my experience with grief onto others. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example. So yes. a, a friend of mine recently just so horrible lost her husband to cancer in June and they have a daughter who's about five months younger than ours so she was like she just turned one in September I I mean it was unimaginable and horrible she knew it was coming he was very very ill but it was just like so awful and I found that I obviously we were grieving very different losses the loss of a of a parent and the loss of a partner and like oh, the, the the father of your children, I just, I can't fathom. Um, and I just felt like I was projecting so many. She was saying, we were chatting and she said, you know, she's getting back into like the mundane and she started going to the gym again and she started going grocery shopping and like these little things that she hadn't done in so long because she was mm-hmm. taking care of her husband, and then she was in the deepest pits of hell of grief. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it took a while. And I was thinking, and I said to her, like, oh, the mundane is the worst to get back into. Because it was for me. Because it was the mundane without Mm -hmm. my dad. Mm -hmm. So it was like life was resuming as if nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. And I had to, like, go along with it. Mm -hmm. Hell no. And so that's how I, that's how I was approaching it. And I even said something to her. She was like, I actually, like, I'm, I'm happy that I'm getting back into the swing of things. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. Right. Yep. Yeah. This yep. is about you, not me. Okay. I'm really sorry. And I said to her, like, I feel like I'm projecting my experience with grief onto you and I'm so sorry. Mm. So it's like, even people have asked me, like, what should I say to someone? My friend has just lost X, Y, Z. And I was like, I don't know. Yes. Like. I was just asking. I'm not like day. this sage. You guys can't see me, but I have, I'm <laughs> sitting like a. Yogi? What am I yeah, doing? Yeah, uh, like a um, Buddha. Mandala. Uh, the, the hand thing? Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah. So what did the person say to you? Uh, yeah, my, uh, one of my colleagues, she came in and I, it's a very thoughtful thing to put, put totally. thought into what do I, Absolutely. what should I say? I have no idea what to, to say. Like this. I'm trying to get help. 
Yes. Totally. And I think it's also, there's something to be said for those people that take it a step further and take it to a verbal conversation rather than just in my head. I feel awkward about this. I don't know what to say. Okay. I'm not going to just think about it and I'm just going to react in the moment. Right. Um, so there's something to say about about people that actually have this conversation. Yeah. And it's just so different for every single person. Totally. It's different from moment to moment. Yes. Like there's no way that you can tell what the person will want to talk about when you see them, right. how they will be react. Maybe they'll be in like gushing tears. Right. Maybe they'll be totally fine. Right. There's no way to know one way or the other. Yeah. From moment to moment. Yeah. I know. No matter how long it takes. No, after, or how long it's been. How long it's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, having that, having had that conversation, I, I am proud of myself that I, you know, am self-aware enough to understand when I need a moment or mm-hmm. when, when the mood has changed in a different moment, a yeah. different scenario. Um, and therapy has helped me through that. Totally. And also this book, Self-Compassion, has just been t- completely life-changing. Have you ever read it? No. What is it? Um, it's by Kristen Neff. Okay. And it's absolutely brilliant. So instead of, she explains, instead of um, silver lining everything. Oh, well, we have a and, lot to talk about that. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> Say no more. And, and being positive about, about uh, well, I'm feeling so sad. Okay, but I I didn't suffer the worst. Oh my God, I was it. just talking about, that's so crazy. I was just talking about this exact concept with someone. I'm sorry, keep going. <laughs> this is, I feel like this is going to keep happening. So, so I mean, th- I mean, that's the natural way to go, right? Right. It's a silver lining. I got to say say goodbye to my dad. Right. Just keep thinking that. Just keep focusing on right. the silver lining right. that I got to say goodbye to him. That's pushing away, according to self-compassion. Yes. That's pushing away all of the feelings, and I'm just shoving that away, and then I get to deal with it later. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. in self-compassion, she talks about like literally hugging yourself mm-hmm. and like stroking our skin, mm-hmm. and our brains are connected, and we need touch yeah and we can stroke our our arms our own skin like doing it right now and <laughs> and that can actually comfort you yeah and it sounds insane it, it doesn't but, sound insane because that's what you do to babies that's what you do to babies that's what you do to other people you rub their back exactly whatever it is if someone is uncomfortable or sad or whatever they're feeling it's human touch that's yeah. why we get massage right so doing it to yourself okay that kind of starts to make sense. So God, I have to read this book. Inse- it's amazing. Okay. So instead of saying to yourself, why am I thinking about the bad things? I just need to focus on what I'm lucky to have. I was lucky to have X, Y, and Z. In self-compassion, you say, this is really hard. This sucks. And I'm really sad. Mm-hmm. And that's a, I'm okay with that. Yeah. that book because I very much subscribe to that mentality of 
not silver lining everything. And that's not to say that I don't think that gratitude has a place in my life. I notice a shift in my attitude when I, if I feel stressed or overwhelmed, I go through lists of things that I'm grateful for and it totally helps. Um, I love writing down my gratitude lists. It's, it's a great way to decompress and de-stress and all of that. But like the idea that things could always be worse is so like just the way that it minimizes your pain is so unfair. It totally minimizes pain. Yes. And it's also so harsh. Right. Like I would never say that to a friend. No. If a friend was just like, I'm sad about X, Y, Z, I would never say like, well, at least you're not, you know, I don't know. Didn't just get in a car accident. (laughs) Like, okay, yes, I'm grateful for that that. too. (laughs) But like, that doesn't mean that, what I'm currently experiencing isn't awful. And that's kind of the, the, the thought behind it is about the self part. Yeah. So they talk a lot about, or she talks a lot about how we are compassionate people. And when, if I were to be talking to you about your grief, right. I would never say to you, yeah. Mm, yeah. don't, don't feel that way. <laughs> right, but with you, it's like, okay, like, tough up, got to get going. Man, what is wrong with me? Why yeah. am I so sad? Why am I so... <sighs> why can't I just get over this? I, uh, mm-hmm. So many people mm-hmm. deal with this. So many people are in worse situations. Right. So to be able to look to ourselves, to be able to look to myself, and it's so... That's such an empowering thought, to yeah. be able to look to myself for compassion oh, and to tell so myself much. that this sucks and this is really hard Yeah, and that's okay is it's so empowering Mm -hmm. and there's such a loneliness aspect to grief that I think if, if I mean, I've, it's just changed things drastically for me so that I can, you know, even if I were not to have gone to my dad for words of advice in a certain situation, uh, if he were alive, in all situations now, I'm sure you can relate to this. In all situations, you think, wow, if only I could talk to my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if he wouldn't have been <clears throat> the person that you would talk to. Exactly. So in that, I've struggled through, okay, so now I can't talk to my dad about this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to call my mom. Right. Oh, wow, that did not, that did not help at all. Okay, now next time I'm going to call Parker. Yeah. That also didn't help at all now I'm gonna call Tyler I'm gonna call my grandma yeah I'm gonna call my stepmom yeah no one says the words that I yeah need them to say because I'm really just craving talking to my dad Mm. yeah so this self-compassion thing instead of calling somebody else right to hear words that's a really beautiful metaphor for that I'm talking to myself and I'm asking myself for the words that I need to hear Mm -hmm. and I know the words that I need to hear But I also think that 
that this whole concept is something that's very, very much happens with people who are trying to comfort you Mm -hmm. that I got that a lot because my dad died right after my wedding. So something I got all the time was at least he was there to walk you down the aisle, Mm. blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, okay, yeah, but I like, I just, I don't know why you think that's like better. You're right. Yes. I don't know. He was there. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. He, we were all, we did that. We were all there. Now what? But now he's not anymore. Yeah, now he's not. So what are you going to do about that? Yeah. I know. But I think, I, yeah, I just, I think that's such a, I think that's, we were talking, we, we were just talking about like the ways that people like try to comfort you and to, I don't know, I guess support you. And that's such a, I just think that's like the most common one. Is that, and I think a lot of that goes back to the fact of not being uncomfortable. Like they're saying that to make themselves feel better. That like, absolutely. oh, your dad died, but he was at your wedding. So like, I, I feel relief there. <laughs> Do you? And I'm just like, no, no, nope. I don't. Still sad. <laughs> <laughs> so glad you feel better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's like the other guests that you've had on the show have had great thoughts about that, about being grateful of, of. Yeah. It has a place in life. Absolutely. People are great and so kind that they want to be there for you. Yes. And I think, uh, the, the best thing that I have learned is to not rely on people Mm. for comfort with that. Yeah. Not, not to any of anyone else's fault. No. Oh, totally. But just because I need to be able to be kind to myself and to tell myself that it's okay and this sucks. Amen. And I'm sad. Yeah. And I need to cry right now. Yeah. And that's like not super fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, there's so much, <clears throat> there's so much power in being able to admit that you're not okay and just be gentle with yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't do that anymore. And definitely not. Yeah. And, and it's super hard to acknowledge when you aren't, uh, dealing with grief when you're not directly dealing with grief. Like there's a situation at work that is especially hard and you just react like in a crazy, weird, yeah, psychotic way. Why am I reacting like this? Right. But to be able to acknowledge, okay, this isn't just the work situation, right? That's making me upset. Yeah. This is also my grief, and I'm sad that I can't see my dad right now or talk to him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that has taken so much. It takes so much practice, mm-hmm. and it's never easy. Each situation is still yeah. hard to acknowledge. And you're still fairly, I guess, new in your journey with grief. It hasn't mm-hmm. been that long. No. And I I wish I could say that, like, it just... Every, time does heal. I very much believe that. Like, time just naturally heals the... Like, that initial just absolute hold. Yeah. Like the worst feeling ever. Um, 
but like last night I was at, and we've been to so many weddings since I've lost my dad. And last night we were at a wedding and the bride and her dad are just extremely close. Mm. And I knew that that father daughter dance was going to wreck me. Mm. And it did. Like it did. And mm-hmm. we didn't really know anyone. My husband and I were at the wedding. We didn't really know anyone besides the bride is like a very, very old friend of mine. And we didn't really know anyone else there. And I, so we're sitting at this table and these people probably thought at first I was just like so emotional. Cause I <laughs> That's was like, a good thing about weddings. You can cry and everyone's like, Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Until I was like dabbing the corners of my eyes with my napkin. And then it just Flowed. Just got like ugly cry. Like everyone oh, was gosh. uncomfortable. They were like, oh, how sweet. And then it was, they were like, is, is she okay? <laughs> but like none of them know. No. And so my husband was like, oh God. But Here it's just, <laughs> you just never know how it's, your grief is going to present itself down the line. And I think that's something that's so, it's hard to know. Like I had a really hard Father's Day this year. I don't know why. Right. Father's Day was not that significant <clears throat> in our family. Father's Day was worse for me this year than like the anniversary of my dad's death this year, which is so bizarre. That's wild. I don't know. Do you find that your anxiety leading up to certain days, well, okay, do you feel like the anxiety-ridden days that you know are coming are harder or easier than... The days that you... Like the anticipation? The days that just come upon you that you don't oh, even expect. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, that's like just a, a random really, day. No, that's a really... Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know anymore because I used to think that the days that I was anticipating would be bad are bad. And like the mundane other days are not as bad. I, I don't know. But then... All I think about is the anniversary of his death this year was the week leading up to it was awful. Mm-hmm. I was on such Why is it always one week? It's so I weird. know, I don't know. Even if I was on of it. <clears throat> I know. I was on such edge. Like everything was setting me off. I was a wreck. I was just this raw nerve, like walking around. The day of it was not that bad. And I wonder if it's because I like had done all my emotional processing the That's week what leading I think up. About. Yeah. Um but I don't know. And then, cause then there are other days where I'm just like, I did not expect to have a tough father's day, especially mm-hmm. because now I have a husband to celebrate who has become the most wonderful father. Mm-hmm. And I was completely, completely incapable of showing up for him mm-hmm. this year in the way that he deserved. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's odd. I, I like don't have an answer for it. I feel like it, you're right. It's the, Days that take me by surprise mm-hmm. that are the hardest yeah. for me. I always anticipate Valentine's Day being really hard, yeah. Father's Day being really hard, yeah. holidays. like Yeah, the holidays. You know, his, de- his anniversary and whatnot. Um, but, and those are hard, yes. Yeah. But you're right, I think the emotions just yeah. are before. <laughs> for me, at least. And I think that's why I brought... I brought it up with my, the friend of mine who, who lost her husband was because like the mundane for me is the worst. Mm-hmm. Cause like all I want to do is call my dad. Mm-hmm. Like I know I'm going to talk to him. I know I'm going to see him or something on Thanksgiving, which mm-hmm. was like our favorite holiday. Like that, I keep trying to, my dog is drinking water. If you can hear that in the background, <laughs> I can't keep stopping. She's just 
Anyway. She's very thirsty. She's very thirsty. That's high altitude. Uh, <laughs> Gotta so, stay hydrated. Exactly. Hydration is key. Um, but like, yeah, the, that's the mundane is what I miss the most. Especially now that I have a daughter who, daughter, and we yeah. live so close to where I grew up that we could just go see him and mm-hmm. just the mundane. That's, I think that's what I knew was going to be the hardest for me when I, mm. when I first lost him. Mm. I, I would have never guessed. Really? I would never have guessed. I felt like I had so much control over my emotions. Mm. I felt like I had, like, I could decide when I wanted to be sad. <laughs> yeah. Or happy. Yeah. And if I controlled that. Right. Then, and I decided when was convenient to be sad. Yes, you scheduled sad time. Scheduled sad time. Yes. Which does help. It does, absolutely. And it just also just comes upon you. Exactly. Yep. I know, I know. In the most inconvenient times. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like at someone's wedding where you're not friends with anyone anyone there. And and (laughs) you have to sit there and pretend you're not causing a scene. Um... (laughs) Well, this was awesome, Quinn. Thank you so, so much Thank for you. being here and being open and sharing. And um, yeah, it's just, this is so, I, this is such a gift that I, I get to spend time with people and and be validated <laughs> and, and hear from you guys. I think that this podcast is so helpful because there is so much um, love that I hear from these conversations mm. and there's so so much um connection that I that I feel f- with people that have lost mm. someone dear to them yeah um and so listening to this podcast I mean you you meet so many people that have lost yes. somebody it's yes. crazy how many people <clears throat> are part of the dead parents club oh yeah yeah um I love listening to this because it allows Thank me you. to connect with people without having to put out energy to connect <laughs> with people. It's very passive connection. <laughs> it's passive connection. <laughs> yeah. And it really helps. Good. It's oh, thank so, you so much. I love it. Thank, thank you so you. much thank for you. doing thank this. You.